It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this episode uh, is the captain of the Perth Glory women's side. Uh, grew up in a small town uh, in the southwest of WA. You might have heard of it, Margaret River. Uh, and fell in love with the game at an early age. But being a small town, she didn't have a girls' team to go and play with, so had to go and play with the lads. And maybe that's what toughened her up uh, to go on to become uh, not just captain of the Perth Glory, uh, but also uh, having to take the reins from the uh, superstar Sam Kerr, who departed our shores uh, a few years ago now to go uh, and make her way uh, in England at Chelsea. Uh, Off the field... Uh, she also does uh, plenty of things that I'm looking forward to hearing all about, including working at a women's prison. So let's say hello and welcome to Natasha Rigby. Hello, Tash. How hello. are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Going all right, thanks. Um, let's let's start at the at the present. Um, you know, you've got a new season on the horizon. Um, how's that going with with COVID? I know your coach is stranded in New South Wales, <laughs> and God knows when. That situation is going to resolve. How is it all going for you, trying to manage a team and manage pre-season and all of that What with all of this going on? Yeah, absolutely. So it has been a little bit tricky to navigate. We are heading into the new season and we have actually almost signed a full team already, which is <laughs> really really exciting for us Mm. so we've prepared really really early and we've got some incredible new signings coming in from over east and locally as well yeah that's great because i know in the last couple of years particularly with restrictions on getting people physically here from other parts of let alone other parts of 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 the world other parts of of australia um just building a team uh, you kind of had to go back to Let's keep it local, right? Uh, 100%. And I think we really, we had such a struggle last year because we we weren't even sure if Perth was going to be included in the W League season because it was in the middle of COVID and there was so much going on and we didn't know, I think it was maybe two weeks out of pre-season that we were actually notified that we were going ahead. Mm. And so we had to really pull a team together at the last minute, which was amazing and we in that, we were able to give the opportunity to a few of our local girls to debut in the W League, which was absolutely amazing. But it does feel a little better this year, being a little bit yeah. more prepared. Yeah. And even though there is a bit of uncertainty heading into the season, at least we do have all our girls locked in um, with a few more to come. Alex is stuck in Sydney at the moment, but I think he's working very hard to get over here. It's been... 
we obviously had a new coach last season as well when Alex mm. is heading into his second season now. So it's it's been a very interesting journey, but he's been nothing but like phenomenal the entire time. So yep. I'm so excited to step into another season with him. So is he able to give you instructions or, or guidance, uh, you know, over Zoom or yeah. <laughs> Skype or whatever? At the, at the moment, yeah, he's... So we're actually out of season at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. we are all either playing in the, the State League, the WMPL, or at the moment I'm just training with our Boys Academy team. And so he's been giving us instruction in regards to how many sessions he wants us doing, where we need to be at fitness-wise, strength-wise, which is awesome. And then once we head into our pre-season, which does start in October, he will be here and be yes, able to will. give in-person <laughs> instructions. So yeah. it'll be much better then. Uh, and for the captain as well, I mean, maybe even more on your shoulders with people having to deal with so much uncertainty mm. uh, around them, mm. as well as, you know, just the logistics of getting your team around. Mm. That, that's a lot on the captain's shoulders. Yeah, and I feel like um, coming off the back of last season, it was a very tough season for us. We did have, um, like I said, little, very little time to prepare and we did get a really, really tough draw as well. I think we spent like a number of weeks away at times and we had about a five-week period in the middle of the season where we didn't even get to play. So keeping the morale up and keeping the energy and the kind of the, the momentum rolling at times like that was really tricky and it required a lot of a lot of team bonding and a lot of like passion from everyone to keep us on track. Yeah. Um, taking over the captaincy from, from Sam Kerr, obviously, you know, it was a few years ago mm. now, but tell me about stepping up to that role yeah that uh, was just go back to that moment in time when <laughs> you know i mean obviously you would have had an inkling that she was going to be mm. you know lured abroad yeah um obviously there's a big big void there mm. you know person of her caliber leaving the team mm. um but stepping into her shoes as as, as the captain of the of the glory women's side yeah. <laughs> a, a big honour, but also a big role. Yeah? A very big role. And I still right now have butterflies <laughs> and goosebumps with you even recounting that. Um, yeah, it was really an amazing time in my life. And I, I still pinch myself every day. My journey has been not very, not the usual journey. And so to be given the honour to be able to captain was, yeah, it was just like a dream to me. And like you said, taking over from someone of Sam's calibre was very, very daunting. Mm. Um, and I felt like I, I'll i be completely honest with you, when I was given and awarded the captaincy, I was so incredibly intimidated and I was, I was nervous. I was so incredibly excited, but there were all these other mixed emotions, like I'm not ready for this, I'm not prepared, I mm. don't. And I feel like at times I almost felt like Googling, like, what makes a good captain? Like, even though I... <laughs> Leadership qualities. Correct. <laughs> so even though I'd been a captain before and in previous teams, I was really questioning myself and questioning my abilities. Um, and so and it, I think it kind of falls back to an impo almost imposter syndrome. Like, I'm not I'm not good enough for this. I, I, I'm not prepared enough. And I, so I, what I started doing was... I just started talking to the people that surrounded surrounded me, like my teammates and and my friends, my family, and they just they kept reassuring me, no, like what you're already doing is why you were selected to be the captain. The mm. the qualities and um, those kind of the values that you hold dear to you are are what has kind of given you this opportunity. And 
that really helped me in identifying my strengths and understanding, okay, no, these are the reasons that I have been selected and then really focusing in on them, harnessing them and using them to the best of my ability. Yeah. So things like I, I think I'm quite a positive person and mm. I'm quite an approachable person and um, I really am quite passionate about speaking on the behalf of the girls and, um, and fighting for what they believe in and being that kind of voice. And I think that's why I was and I was so lucky and I feel still so honoured to be able to be given that opportunity and I, I don't take it lightly. So, yeah, it's, it was massive. It was, yeah. it was a big moment for me and I'm still learning every single day and I feel, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to take on this new season. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about uh, the very early days, you know, growing up in Margaret River, mm. um, predominantly a, a, a footy town, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, where did the love of, of soccer, I want to call it football, but where, yeah. did, where did the love of soccer start? Well, actually started trying to fill time between when I couldn't surf. Right. So we <laughs> we grew up literally like sandy toed children, little scallywag rascals running around the beach um, and surfing every second that we could. And then when winter hit, um, I mean, the, there are some amazing waves in winter, but as a kid, we were a little bit sooky. Yeah. And so it wouldn't always be the best time for us. So I think between that time, mum was kind of like, oh my God, girl, you need to like burn this energy off somewhere. And she kind of just chucked me into soccer with a few of my, a few other girls. Um, and so I started playing and I fell in love with it the moment yeah, right. I started. I absolutely adored it. Um, so there was no family, like your, your parents weren't into it. It was just something literally for you to go on. Isn't that so weird? Chew up some energy. Yeah, legit. And you do have a lot of energy, it seems. I do. Yeah. do <laughs> I can understand sometimes. mum wanting to do that. Sometimes can't get to sleep. <laughs> but um, no, exactly. It's funny because a lot of a lot of football soccer families have deep rooted yeah. connections within the game yeah. and that's why they're so loyal to it and they put their kids in. But yeah, I think it was just like it just was kind of right place, right time for me and yeah, it's been – I've never looked back since. It's yeah. just amazing. All right, that's a nice moment for us to take a break, but we'll, we'll pick up from that right after we uh, hear these messages from our sponsors. This is Inspiring Stories. Natasha Rigby is our special guest. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. We are hearing the inspiring story of the Perth Glory women's captain, Natasha Rigby. Um, Tash, so how old were you when you when your mum decided to <laughs> keep you occupied for a couple of hours, throw you into this game of soccer yeah. in, in little old Margaret River? <laughs> I think I was about nine years old. Which is quite late to start, isn't it, for someone who's gone on to play at a professional level? 100%. You usually hear, like, a lot of my other teammates, like, I was, yeah, kicking a ball before I could crawl. Mm. And so, yeah, it is, it is in the scheme of things, quite, quite advanced. Yeah. Mm. Um, when did you love it? Love it to the point where you thought, I really, really want to do this more and more and maybe even one day, you know, play at the highest level? Well, I was, I was in love with it since I started. But the, the time that I started to really actually enjoy my football and really start to kind of um, finesse and try to be a lot better and, and strive to the best I could be was when I was – I it's so cute. We used to go to this – and it still runs. It's called Country Week. We used to go to this camp and all the country kids from across WA would travel to Perth and play against each other in a series of round-robin games um, 
And we used to go up and have the absolute best time there. And it was so much fun. And I was lucky enough to be identified by um, a Football West representative. And I was asked to go to country camp, which is where the best of the best of country week get selected. And then they get to trial to maybe go to the national competition for our youth. So it's in Coffs Harbour. And... I was like so honoured to even be asked to go to camp, country camp. I was like, oh my goodness, the most <laughs> amazing opportunity. And I was so nervous because I didn't know anyone and I somehow was identified. And so mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to represent WA from the ages of 15 to 17 yep. and play over in Coffs Harbour. And, and I was given that amazing opportunity and kind of opened my eyes to, oh, there may, may be a future in this. Um and that's when I really started to push and train a little bit harder. But, yeah, then I, I kind of dropped off after that. After, I kept playing. Yeah. But I didn't – being in a country town, there weren't really any more other development pathways. And You'd sort of gone as far as you could Correct. at that point. Yeah. For that age, yeah. And being in Margaret River, it, I was so thankful to my parents. They've been an amazing – part of my journey because they did drive me to Perth every three three times every week. Oh, that would from have Mars. Three times a week. I know. Three times a week. I wow. I know. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> the poor things they chuck me into soccer and they're like, look what it's done. <laughs> that it's backfired on yeah, mum exactly, big time. Didn't exactly. it? Um, wow, that's a lot of miles on the road. Yeah, so I wouldn't be where I am without them. So yeah. thankful to them. But yeah, and then after that, I guess I moved up to Perth to study, um, yep. to go to UWA and study sports science. And I was just playing in the state league uh, and really enjoying like playing up here. And then, yeah, it all, it all kind mm. of it kind of got a bit of momentum. Just went from, went from there. Um, your poor mum and dad. What, what do mum and dad do? I mean, were they football nuts in any way, shape Absolutely. or form? No, 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 no. <laughs> so dad was dad was just working um, in tourism, so he was my, as a marketing manager, and yeah. mum was working in a cellar door, classic Margaret River. You guys, you had this idyllic Margaret River lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. You know, surfing all the time, a couple of little grommets yep. running around in the sand. So good. Working at a winery, working in tourism. Yep, exactly. What I, have you done to them? I know. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we did. We did have – it was such an amazing childhood growing up in my yeah. life. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about, I mean, your, your heroes of the game? Mm. Uh, you know, did you have any posters on the wall of anyone in particular? Were there players? Because, I mean, I suppose for the last 10, 20 years you have been able to watch mm. hours and hours of it on TV, mm. unlike when I was your age growing up and, and also loving the sport, Tash. But um, were there particular players you thought, gee, I'd love to – you know, emulate their style in some way. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I feel like growing up as a child, we didn't really have that many female role models in the game. And I think now when you look at the Matildas and you look at these incredible players like Sammy Kerr, Ellie Carpenter, Lana Kennedy, Kaya Simon, these phenomenal women that are so much in the limelight now and Mm. you you can't see what you can't be. So growing up, I – I was just enjoying it. I just, mm. I absolutely loved it. But I, I, we watched the Socceroos and I was a big fan of Timmy Cahill growing up, but we really, that was the only thing that I was exposed to. So it just, it really warmed my heart now to be able to see so many young women looking mm. up to their idols and being able to see them and be able to aspire to those dreams. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in the time that, uh, that you came through the ranks in Margaret River, mm. I'm guessing mum and dad still live down there, do they? They've moved up now. Have they? Yes. 
Wow, you really have torn their lifestyle apart, haven't you? (laughs) Um, The way that the sport has grown, because it is such a huge sport, particularly at at, at junior level, but for the girls as well, has it really exploded you know, down in your, your old hometown? Definitely. And they have a girls team now. There you go. Which is which is absolutely amazing. And they have an academy down south too, Brilliant. an all-girls academy, which is it's so exciting because when we were coming through, we had to play in the boys' academy, which was so much fun. And, like, it definitely taught me a lot about resilience mm. and it made me the player I am today. But to be able to give those girls the opportunity growing up is just yeah. amazing. Not that I want to, you know, start any kind of battle of the codes here, but um, the AFL women's comp has probably had more resources pumped into it than uh, women's soccer. Um, was there, I mean, there have been a few code hoppers um, over the years. Was there any temptation or any attempt to lure you to the, let's call it the dark side? <laughs> the dark side. <laughs> it's very interesting that you bring it up because my partner actually yes. plays for yep. AFLW and she was playing she for Glory. She tries every day. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, she... so you just did the switcheroo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she she was uh, actually we played one season of Glory together, and then yeah. she was drafted as a rookie to Fremantle, and so now plays over there. Um, and she is my biggest inspiration. She's absolutely amazing. But you're right, there has been an amazing amount of uh, like money and support poured into the AFLW, and it's it's it makes me so happy because I feel like it's actually pushed a lot of other female sports to step up Mm. because when the AFLW came in, they kind of set this standard and they really raised the bar as to what female athletes should be um, expected to in terms of like salary, in terms of facilities, in terms of just like the professionalism. And you saw after AFLW um, brought in their league, uh, the W League then worked with um, the PFA to establish a CBA, which meant that there were minimum standards brought in mm. to the W League and to the women's game. And you saw a massive increase in and an, an amazing um, increase in what we were then receiving in terms of like financial stability and in terms of our facilities and in terms of even medical expectations, things like that. It's been awesome so I'm so happy and I'm so grateful for the AFLW because they continue to push everybody else by raising the bar yeah. and have they tried to poach you no <laughs> <laughs> would you ever be tempted no, no. I love I, I suppose love some it. of the basic hand-eye coordination and all the leadership skills and your general fitness I mean they they can to some extent transfer over can't they definitely and yeah. I have played a few very I was gonna, how do you go to, you know I'm sure there are balls flying around the, the oh, house you know, which ball is it? Is the round ball or the oval shaped ball? Bit of both. Bit of both. Bit of both. I do. I have played a few very, very social games of AFL. I must admit, I played a few years ago in a social league. Absolutely love it. We won a premiership. It was amazing. <laughs> but it's all. It's just a lot. I've really enjoyed it. I actually was asked to choose when I was growing up between yeah. the two, and I did choose soccer. And I'll never look back. But I have a great appreciation for it as well. Yeah. Do you think you'll get there in your sport in the span of your sporting career? Do you think you'll get to the stage where you might be able to just be a, a full time athlete? I don't think so. Not in my career. I definitely think it is on the horizon, though, uh, for both codes too. Yeah. And it 
I think we were moving in a really good direction prior to COVID. And there was actually supposed to be like a deal-breaking CBA established. But obviously you can't predict these things and it was a little bit of a setback. Mm. But I feel like once everything starts to – the dust starts to settle a little bit and we can kind of harness that momentum again, looking at all the local girls that are in the league at the moment as well, It questions need to be asked because we can't – continue on this half and half like I feel like I'm two people like half the year I'm trying to forward my career and be the best that I can be and I have to maintain that throughout the season as well but it's it is difficult and you 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 look at the product that we're delivering and you can imagine where that product might be if we were able to dedicate every minute of our lives to simply our sport rather than working nine to five and then Mm. having to recover, train, eat, sleep, wash, do everything in that other little tiny little bit at the end of the day. And speaking of things that you've managed off the field as well, I'm absolutely intrigued by your work um, at a women's prison. Yes. Uh, I mean, talk (laughs) about having two lives. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Captain of the Perth Glory then. Uh, working in a in a women's prison, uh, I'm intrigued to hear the stories and how that managed to work yeah. uh, as best as you could. Anyway, uh, we'll get into that right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories with Natasha Rigby. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is Natasha Rigby, uh, captain of the Perth Glory women's side and also for uh, a number of years. I know you've just uh, finished up your time there and I'll get you to explain why, uh, Tash, but for for some years you've been working uh, at a women's prison. I mean, talk about balancing two pretty heavy tasks here. Yes, I have Professional sport and working in a women's prison. Firstly, how did that become a thing that you did? Yes, a quick little story before I get into it. It was so funny. Last season we had a game and I laid out a tackle on a a girl and I heard back later on the commentary, one of the commentators was like, after I'd laid the tackle, he was like, and ladies and gentlemen, she works in a women's prison. (laughs) I'll just leave that there. I was like, come on, guys. What are you doing to me? Um, but <laughs> was yeah. it a bad tackle? Was it? Like, was it a good questionable? Do a, I would say a few questionable. Months in the for it. Um, but yes, no, it was and has been one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Working, yeah. working there. I was working as a recreation officer, so working to design and develop programs to help rehabilitate and reintegrate the women back okay. into society. Yeah. So I can, I mean, I can see the the synergy when you're studying sports science, at UWA. <laughs> you know that, that goes together pretty well. So was it was it that study that you did that led you into doing recreational programs? Correct at so the I, prison. Correct. I right. did do a bit of um, sport management, leaving after, straight after my degree uh-huh. through local government and state government, and then through working in the state government, it kind of was a stepping stone into. This kind of it's similar work when it comes down to it, just mm. very different You're clientele. Just working with some extreme characters, correct, correct. Know, who for whatever reason have found themselves, yeah, doing time. Now, can you tell us any stories at all? Um, not particularly without specific. naming names or being it was detailed in any way. It, it the reason it was such an amazing experience was that it taught me so much about myself, both professionally and personally, because. There are so many women that are in this position 
purely because of their experience mm. and purely because of things that are beyond their control. So it had taught me a lot about myself and how lucky I I am to have grown up where I grew up and received the opportunities I've received because who knows if I'd been through the exact same experiences some of those women had been through, like who's to say that I wouldn't be in their position. So yeah. it really taught me a lot about empathy and about understanding and about being grateful for my opportunity. So it yeah. was an incredible place to work. From a fairly, you know, idyllic childhood in Margaret River though, mm. I, can, I mean, when you first entered the prison mm. for your first day at work, yeah. was, it, was it confronting? It was daunting and I think they do test you, particularly when yeah. you're new and they kind of, it's almost, it's very similar to being a teacher in a way. Okay. I have a lot of teacher friends who share very similar stories <laughs> with me and I think it's like when you're a relief teacher and you, a relief teacher walks into a, uh, a classroom of kids and you just go to town. It's oh, kind yeah. of like that. You smell the fear. You smell the fear. <laughs> and so I was like, no fear, no fear, no fear. So trying to be like, um, just I think what made me a good candidate for the role is I do kind of wear my heart on my sleeve and if they scream at me, I scream back at them. Like yeah. I just I give them I give it right back and I have like a kind of energy and enthusiasm that they enjoy and I I don't I guess I take no prisoners. <laughs> so I really try and be like firm but fair. So yeah. it was yeah, it was very scary walking in, but I think I have the right temperament. For it. How long did it take you to win them over, if I can put it that way? Mm, quite a few months, I guess. Because, a few mo- yeah, right. Yeah, okay. because you have a lot of different, we run a lot of different programs from yeah. anything from trauma-informed yoga to art therapy. So a lot of different women come in and out of those courses. So you're not seeing the same women every day and they run in six-week blocks. So you are exposed to a lot of different women that are ha- mm. interested in a lot of different things. And so establishing and building that that rapport takes quite a while. Um, the, re- the reaction you get from, from people, you know, when they find that out. Yeah. Um, some people have a, a, fairly, a, a fairly well, um, I suppose, a deep-seated, um, I don't want to say a prejudice, but a, a deep-seated mm. view mm. on people who find themselves uh, incarcerated mm. and it's hard to shake them from that. Correct. And that can be very black and white, very blinkered and mm. maybe don't want to see the human, they just see... Criminal. Yes, exactly. Um, when you were telling your stories to people and say, "Hey, I work in a in a prison," um, were you able to shift them in any way? Do you think, and was that something that you, I suppose, got some sense of reward out of being able to do to actually kind of humanise mm. people to some degree? Mm. I think that's such a good that's such a good point because you're right. People were usually like really shocked and or really interested and mm. want to know more. And yeah. so I. And you're right, like, and I'm guilty of that myself without even stepping foot in a prison. I already have a stigma and stereotypes in my mind before I step in there. And I guess that's where it came back to when I did step foot in there and begin to understand these women that I was working with and the trauma and how it affects people. And then you become more empathetic and understanding and it it really changes your view. And I, I think talking to people and sharing my experiences has done that, I hope. Yeah. But there are some people that will still just, yeah, yeah stick to their guns. So, so what, tell me what an average day was like. What were you doing with, with the ladies in there? Yeah, so we would run a number of programs during the day. Uh, there's probably about three sessions. And we would put on, like I said, for example, we would have maybe like an exercise session in the morning. We would run that. Then we have like a library as well. We'll run that. We have uh, an art room. And then... 
then we have a number of different external facilitators that will come in and run things like they'll run like yoga and other recreational activities that you can think of. So it's facilitating that, but there is a lot of behavior management that Mm. comes back to the teaching as well and understanding how to deal with those situations. And you do find yourself in a few confronting and sticky situations and learning how to navigate. Can you share any of this? (laughs) Oh, there was one where there was just like a volleyball game and there were just two pretty intense teams (laughs) that maybe had a bit of history and yeah we had to break up a bit of a a bit of a um a fight in there and it was quite intimidating because there were two large groups and trying to then navigate that and that's where I guess my loud voice comes into play and like using my um confrontation like management skills but nothing can really prepare you for that so yeah Yeah. interesting um Orange is the New Black is a pretty popular TV show and I think that maybe captures the intrigue uh, of what to most people is a fairly, you know, bizarre environment Mm. to be. Was it anything like that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. There are some yes and no. Like it's very Americanised, Orange is the New Black. But, yeah, Yeah. there are um, obviously different relationships. Is it quite tribal in there? Yes, definitely. Yep. And you learn, yeah, there's like a few queens and a few like of oh, yeah head honchos as well yeah, people you of, don't mess with a lot of different dynamics yeah that go on in there and so yeah it is it is interesting when you first walk in and you're like whoa there's like a big web to kind of work your way through yeah. so yeah and did you have to navigate your way through that or could you in your position you didn't really have to worry yourself with the internal politics of the yeah of not the, too much up, not there. too much for me I would leave that up to the officers yeah, and yeah, yeah that yeah. falls down to them and their managers. So going from there, because I imagine that probably hardened you up in a in a way. In a way, or softened uh, me in another or way. Or softened you, <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. a bit of both. Yeah, um, both. gave you a let's say a broader perspective on mm. life and mm. the challenges that some people face. Um, going from, you know, the the women's prison, then to the training track. Yeah. Did you sometimes have to switch modes, or did you find yourself yelling at your teammates <laughs> in a way that you might have yelled at no. someone inside? No, you're right. A very good point. I struggled some days and yeah. last season was fairly difficult because it is 10 hour days as well. So yeah. it's quite, and when you were stepping there, it's like you're in a bubble. And mm. so you almost have a different persona. And then stepping out of that, it required me to be able to switch off um, and learn to do that very quickly. So I didn't take that onto the training field. You're right. Uh, but it's interesting that you say that because I was finding, I did a bit of analyzing with my psychologist last year and I was like, <laughs> I'm spending like, like I spend 10 hours a day with like 250 women and then I go to training for three hours after that and spend like very intense time with 25 women and then I go home to a house of five women that I live with. I'm like, help me, like someone help. It was just like a lot of emotions and a lot of like relationships and like I am so grateful for it but I just felt at times, oh my gosh, I am it's just a lot. exhausted. Yeah, it's crazy. And I suppose in some of those scenarios, you're kind of having to lead them or order them around or discipline them or, you know. Yeah, and manage. Dish out the rules. Yeah, different personalities and like, yeah, understand different dynamics. So it's really helped me to like grow (laughs) and learn. And it's, oh my God, been an amazing opportunity. But yes, it it was challenging at times. I bet. Um, Now, for one reason or another, well, maybe you can enlighten us, you've had to finish up your time mm. uh, at the women's prison. Why I've is done that? My time. You've done your time. You're on parole. 
<laughs> or day release at least. <laughs> That's coming um, to see you. <laughs> how, how come? Why, why did you finish up? Because it seems like you found it mm. a genuinely rewarding experience. I definitely did. But I think it was in the end, it just proved a little bit too hard in terms of balancing, um, the, getting my work-life balance, training-life balance, because I was required to work on weekends and playing on the weekend, as you can understand, travelling over every second weekend, which is about three days, it, it, it ended up just being a little bit too much in terms of my uh, ability to commit. And so I didn't want to let them down anymore. And so I just said, look, I'll step away for now. But who's to say I won't go back in yeah. into that? Would you go back? Definitely. I would, yeah, definitely. Yeah? Definitely. Why is that? Well, I think it's be, it's opened my eyes a lot in terms of in terms of my appreciation for psychologists and counsellors as yep. well and the effect that they can have. And I think if I was to step into back into like corrections with the Department of Justice, it would maybe be in that realm because I feel like that's where I could make the most difference mm. in terms of aiding these women with strategies and tools to be able to then move forward and change their behaviour. Yeah. I'm sure you picked up a few Perth Glory fans in there too, along the way. I definitely did. Yeah. Oh my God, Miss, when's your game on? <laughs> miss, what, what, what channel? I was like, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> Would they be able to ever see you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was. I suppose it was a way that you could connect with them. Then. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And I kind of got that respect from them in that way as well, which yeah. is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, look forward to seeing whether you do go back there and in, in what capacity. But we need to take a break. Okay. This is Inspiring Stories. <laughs> Tash Rigby is our special guest. We'll be back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, Natasha Rigby, captain of the Perth Glory and former uh, staff member at the Bandia Women's Prison, which we've been hearing all about. Let's get back to the round ball, though, <laughs> yeah. shall we? Um, we haven't sort of spoken for a bit about uh, how you came uh, onto the radar of Perth glory, you know, your junior days, Margaret River, and then, you know, all those trips up to Perth. But how did you finally make the cut with yeah. Perth glory? Yeah, so it's such an interesting story. So I start, like I said, I was studying at UWA, studying yeah. sports science, absolutely loving it, and just playing in the state league at the time. Uh, and I never even considered, like, being eligible or being given the opportunity to even represent Glory. And so I was so lucky when I was identified to play in a game against Perth Glory. So right. what they, how it all came about, because I was 22 when I was selected to play for Glory, which yeah. is old yeah. in the scheme of things. Yeah. Like, I know people will be like, what do you mean? But it is. Like usually our girls coming in now are 16, 17. Yeah. So in the grand scheme, I'd already gotten my degree and I was on my way to establishing a career. And so... I was asked to play against Glory in a showcase match um, and represent like a state all-stars team for mm. WA. And I was just so honoured to even be selected for that. I was like, oh, my gosh, like crying because of that. Didn't even start. Like I started on the bench. The coach at the time turned around and was like, who wants to go on as number six, which is midfield? And I have no idea about <laughs> that. And I was like, me, I'll do it. And so I went on. I played okay. Then I got put into my position, which was right back in the second half. And I played quite a good game. Yeah. And we won. We somehow beat the glory. So it was like really a really strange thing. It was amazing. I was so honoured. Then about two weeks later, I 
got a call from an unknown number and I was like, oh, who's this? And I picked up, it was the coach, oh, no, the assistant coach at the time. And she was like, come on down, try out for glory. Like the coach wants to see you. And I literally like started crying on the phone, <laughs> screaming. Was, Did you think it was legit straight away? I thought away? it was my friend. Yeah. I thought it was my friend pranking me. <laughs> I was like, I was literally like, kids, is this you? Yeah. <laughs> like now, is this you? Then uh, just saying it was, was no, like this is 100%. <laughs> wow. Like calm down. So for me at that point, Sam Kerr was captaining. There are some very high caliber players in the team. And that was just to me like, oh, my goodness, like, okay, I'm doing this. And I, so it was a, just a trial, two weeks, full training, so five sessions a week. Yeah. I gave it my absolute best. And at the end of it, Bobby was the coach at the time. Yeah. Absolute madman. Bobby Tan. Love him. Yeah. Love him. He came up to me and he was like, and I was just like so nervous. And he was like, no, Dutch. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and he was like struggling for words a little bit. And so I just said, Bobby, Bobby, it's fine. Like, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Anyway, like, I really appreciate it. And he was like, yeah. what do you mean? Shut up. You got contract. <laughs> you got contract. And I was like, what? You do a brilliant Bobby impersonation, by the way. I think, I think he'd even be chuffed with that. <laughs> and then I was just like, oh, my goodness, like, bawling my eyes out, so happy, like, overwhelmed, couldn't believe it, called my coach at the time for um, State League. Everyone was just like so like enthralled for me and I didn't even think – I did not think I would play a minute. And then first game I was lucky enough to play 10 minutes. Second game I played 30 and since then I've played every game. That's so amazing. So I haven't missed a game. I think I broke like an P uh, um, – it was one of the records, PFA record for like most consecutive games played in W League, which was like amazing. I That's found incredible. out. Yeah, so I've been incredibly lucky in terms of my journey and in terms of my opportunities and not getting injured as well. I've been yeah. able to see those games through, but I think I'm up to my like seventieth something game now. So it's been awesome. What a ride! What a ride! A, I know a latecomer, <laughs> a chance game against the glory, and then. Years on, you become the captain. Um, what did you know of Bobby Despotovsky when you were growing up? Oh, just that I did know about Bob's and you, yeah. the legend. He was yeah. just a legend. He's a yeah. club legend. He still is. He's just, yeah, I just remember him and he's, he had that spark and that flair. Yeah. Similar to Sammy, you know, it's something that you can't teach. It's just that like yeah. incredible natural yeah. ability. I was going to say, what, what was it like playing with Sam Carroll? I mean, we talk about superstars and, you know, just what was it about her? Was it Did she just see things before others or you know was it a physical ability mm. what was it did she just have an eye or what was the quality that uh, that made her shine do you think she's just got like this explosiveness she's like a firework yeah. that's like the best way to describe her like she you get her the ball and she will do something phenomenal with it mm. like she's just fantastic and i think like i said she has that something that something that the best players in the world have that yeah. little like it's, it's hard to describe isn't it's it it's fairy dust yeah. it's like they've just like got this little like oh, i don't know it's amazing and yeah not only is she such a an, an incredible player but just such a great person yeah such a great person yeah so filled with such humility and and kindness as mm. well and just led by example um i i learned so much under her and i think mm. that's what kind of gave me the opportunity to then step up and, and of course, uh, with, with Sam and the team, you made it to a grand final. Yeah, two. Yeah. Two grand finals. Yeah. Don't want to dwell on them, but I know. didn't I'm, work out. Didn't work out. How did you guys take that? 
it was heartbreaking, but the the experience of playing in a grand final is just yeah. something that you yeah you can't even describe. It's it was just amazing to be able to play in front of and at home as well in front of our home crowd. But yeah, I just it was sad, but it's yeah. okay. Extra motivation. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, so looking to the season ahead now, obviously there's still so much uncertainty around COVID and mm. travel and all of that. Is it hard to get the team to, to really focus on it when there is all of that doubt? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 difficult, but it's nothing we haven't been and dealt with before. Like I feel like we, we went through everything we possibly could last season. So we are absolutely prepared for anything. And I think Glory and Alex have done such a great job in ensuring that we are prepared early mm. and we are already working on our our team mantras and our, our, our vision heading forward. And it is focused around our ability to be resilient and to keep going even when times are tough. So yep. yeah, it's, it's exciting with all the new players that we have stepping up. We had a couple of girls debut last year, our young Matildas, who got the opportunity to play um, in the W League, which is it's just so heartwarming to be a part of that and mm. to watch them come through. And I've played with some of these girls for five years and to see them be a train on and then step um, into the squad and then step onto the field. It's it's such a nice feeling to yeah. see the local talent especially yeah. really prosper. Yeah. Uh, and for you personally, obviously you're captaining the side to going into another uh, season fairly soon mm. and all going well you know it'll roll out as planned um, what about beyond uh, glory beyond soccer for you yeah uh, what, what are your aspirations and goals beyond that yeah so I think I'm, I'm coming to the end of my my footballing career I yeah. do you feel like it's coming uh yes but I'm also just taking every moment as it comes yeah. just because my body is my knees are not the kindest of people <laughs> so they're a little bit crunchy I was doing a squat yesterday and it sounded like there was some marbles <laughs> in there so I don't know about that but yeah I think looking forward I as I touched on before I'm really inspired by um, the work that psychologists do and I am looking in the future to maybe move into some further study in that field uh, because I am so passionate um, about that and about how they've helped me in along my journey as well and I think there isn't enough emphasis on the importance of psychologists in sport as well because like we see it all through the Olympics at the moment and it's been at the front the forefront of the media for quite a while now people struggling with their mental health and stepping away and that being okay and Mm. being open and honest about that is so important and really encouraging that transparency and giving these athletes the the support that they need to be the best they can be because they have to they push so hard every single day physically and mentally and then they have these these um, external pressures like you we see Naomi Osaka uh, Mm. the journey that she's had and you, you suddenly she was an overnight sensation to, so to have that media like you don't you can't be prepared for that no so I feel like yeah I would be so interested in stepping into that field where I yeah. can help athletes and yeah. and others in any way I can and yet she's copped flack from some hasn't she hasn't she hasn't, yeah oh it's just astounding to me though like yeah. oh you try and do that like those people <laughs> like come on anyway yeah, yeah frustrating um I mean, it, it is a different, that sort of rarefied air that elite sports people occupy, though, the pressures. 100%. Um, you know, that's, 
it's almost unique, isn't it? Yeah. The circumstances that they yeah. that they face is it what what particularly about that area of psychology interests you? Is it? I suppose you've had had a taste of what that's like being in that yeah in that company. Yeah, I just I I am so interested in sports psychology and in terms of like like your in terms of managing mental welfare generally or getting the best out of them in this in yeah, a sporting I'm, sense and yeah that but i don't but think both. you can have that without working through yeah all of your other like internal battles mm. and like you say it's it's like they have to fight this internal battle and these internal pressures and then they have all these external pressures that no other if you think about really like apart from like your your superstars your pop stars like musicians famous musicians who has to deal with like that kind of elite performance and then the kind of pressure you get from yeah. like yeah. The media and the yeah. world watching. Bloody media. Bloody media. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a nice note to end yeah. on. It. Don't end up in the media, Tash. Okay. You're better than that. <laughs> Heed my warning. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. Good luck uh, with the season ahead of you. Hope it all goes beautifully and you pick up uh, some wins along the way. Thank you. Maybe thank even you so a maiden title yes. for the Perth Glory Women's yes. side. That would be amazing. Amazing. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.